you're a Steve Jobs fan to the point where you copy his clothes and you put on maybe a fake voice. It's like, uh, should she's you be like leading a $9 billion her... company? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, she's wearing a turtleneck. She's wearing a turtleneck. Listen to what the woman has to say. Hello and welcome to History's Greatest Idiots, the podcast in which we relive the biggest mistakes in human history and give you lessons that you can learn from so you never, ever repeat those mistakes again. However, we're human. Who are we kidding? We make mistakes all the time. Joining me as ever is the truly amazing and incredibly supportive, given the conversation we've just had off air, Derek. Hello, Derek. How are you doing? Hey, Lev. What's up? Hey, everybody that's listening. (laughs) I'm doing great, man. Another Excellent good week stuff. Excellent. In the books. Yeah. You've you've hit summer. Is that right down there? Yes. It's been <laughs> mild too cuz I live in okay. basically hell. Um <laughs> it's, it's now into the hundreds. So my afternoon walks are at 6 a.m. Oh good. When yeah. When it's only 90. <laughs> you like the coyotes like what the fuck is he doing here at this time? <laughs> yeah. You should see the things the roadrunner says. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, going to the car. I remember. I'm so immature. <laughs> I remember. Um, you'll you'll probably um, be able to connect with some of this. When I used to do uh, radio shows many many years ago, now I'd do the morning ones, and some of the morning shows would be starting ridiculously early, and you'd have to be getting up at ungodly hours, like before people in nightclubs had finished clubbing, you'd be up and going to work. And I'd be driving to work on these, like, desolate motorways. And it, they turn into zoos, like, at that time in the morning, at that time of night. It is ridiculous, the amount of wildlife you see on roads at that speed. And then you've got, like, rabbits that will not get out of the way. And they're kind yeah. of staring at you. And you get the art Garfunkel. How can the light the birds so brightly burn for half as bright eyes? And I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to kill Watership Down. So I'm just, like, swerving around all this wildlife. It's fucking crazy, I have man. been there. Yes, yeah. Yes, sir. I tell you what. So I think they do the morning shows that early just because most of the people hosting are coming in drunk from the bars. That's it. That's it. I I had this method. <laughs> so I would try and go to sleep at like seven, eight o'clock, something like that, and I'd be up at about two thirty-three. Okay. I I wouldn't get to sleep because I just couldn't adjust. So I wouldn't fall asleep until half ten. So you're only working on a few hours sleep, and I bring so much food in with me that I literally overshopped so that I could feed the station so that I had like all sorts of sugary caffeinated ridiculous things at hand to keep me going then I'd finish my show and I'd drive all the way back home and I'd just like I'd be like on the motorway like Ludovico technique pinning my (laughs) eyes open just trying to get home um, so that I didn't crash and not only wipe out wildlife, but also humans with me as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that'd be bad. That, w- that would have been bad, and uh, I must have shortened my life by years with the amount of sugar I, I took in in those days. But Yeah, yeah, but there are the years at the end where you're wearing diapers and all that. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to live at that age anyway, you know? Not me. No. So, um yeah, so we've we've both had uh we've we've had a weeks. You've you've heard about mine. It's complicated. Uh so, I would like to know and you gave me a little bit of a a, a taster, a soup song, if you will, just before we came on air of of who this person is. Please tell me who is your idiot this week. All right. I want to preface this here 
before I get into it with okay. a warning that some of this can be disturbing. Okay. Um, Oh. There's uh, some sexual deviancy involved in this guy's manipulation that I just want people to be aware if you're sensitive to that sort of thing too. Okay, okay. Maybe bear with me and I'll try to dumb it down as much as I can. Not dumb it down, but just take the edges off as much as I yeah. can. Okay, cool. Um, so everybody to some degree has the desire to be successful and rich and powerful and yeah. loved. Yeah, that, absolutely. That last one there, the loved, that that can be a real point of manipulation for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, even people that have already obtained success and wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The dude I'm talking about today knew that, and he targeted some rich, successful, and beautiful people. Ooh. And shit got weird. Like, okay. weird, weird. This, I'm today, fascinated now. Today I submit to you a man that most folks consider a monster... And he has some felony convictions, including racketeering, forced labor, <sighs> wire fraud, and sex trafficking. Holy shit. Um, perhaps you might be thinking that might meet the standard for a monster and not an idiot, because he's really <laughs> done some unspeakable things, but... Sure. I, I gotta go with the broad term of idiot here, because... Of course, of I, course. I feel like there's a lesson in this for... Oh, yeah, not, absolutely. Don't be a manipulative jerk type of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. In uh, 2020, this gentleman was sentenced to 120 years in prison, and uh, so we got that going for us. Jesus. But we'll start at the beginning. He was born in August of 1960 in Brooklyn, New York. His father was an advertising executive that might Mm -hmm. have led to some traits that he had. His mom was a ballroom dancing instructor. Wow. Which I didn't know was even an actual full-time career, but apparently it is. Uh, if over here, a big part of our popular culture scene at the moment is a thing called Strictly Come Dancing, and there are, it's kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. I think you've got like the American version of it over there, um, called Strictly. Fred Astaire? Sort of. It's like celebrities dancing with actual dancers. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think Floyd Mayweather may have done it over there for you guys, maybe. He did, and Emmett Smith. Dances with the Stars, that's what we call it. That's it, yeah. Over here, it's called Strictly Come Dancing, and before that, it was called Strictly Dancing, and Strictly Dancing, or was it just called Come Dancing? I think it was called Come Dancing. That goes back to the 1950s. That's one of the longest-running TV things in history. And no one was really aware that there is a professional ballroom scene in this country until that show came on, and now like everyone's aware of it. But like, why would you be, really? Yeah, Who gets paid I, to do that? You know, in It's my amazing mind? that somebody that I mean, it's great. Paid, I bet you they love it. Yeah. And it's kind of like... And I it's a real passion, and they're so athletic and talented. But like, I would never have thought in this country that there is like a thriving ballroom professional scene and stuff. But anyway, she was a professional ballroom person back in the sixties. That actually makes sense to me for that era. And she had a bit of a drinking problem. Okay, yeah. yeah. I don't know if that had anything to do with dancing, but I know. Anyway, that led to his parents separating uh, when he was around eight years old, which could have mm. been another factor that drove him later in life. Yeah, yeah, you'd say so. As his parents uh, were were raising him and trying to to bring him up, they showered him with love and okay. told him things like like most parents do that he was gifted and intelligent. 
And he kind of had a, a slightly different grandiose reaction to it. His father said, oh. to quote, it was almost like a switch went off. Suddenly oh, overnight dear. he turned into like Jesus Christ and behaved as though he were superior and better than everybody. Oh, that's he, not good. He behaved like a deity and was dramatic and Oof. profound and went straight to his head. That's all one quote. <laughs> and that's his dad. Holy shit. Um, uh, by age 12... He became interested in things like neuro-linguistic programming. And Uh-oh, started I've done reading. this. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've done, I've done neuro-linguistic programming. It's partially bullshit, but yeah, it does sort of work. And the fact that he took an interest in it, that's worrying. Well, in addition to that, he took an interest in other mind-control-themed <sighs> works, like uh, stuff from Isaac Asimov. Wow. And a work like The Second Foundation, which is what he credited with inspiring later on the, the thing that he's most famous for. Yes, that's right, yeah. By age 13, uh, he began numerous relationships with dozens of girls, and wow. they would call the house daily. His parents would overhear it, or his father, and he said he could hear him saying, I love you. You're the special one. You're important. <laughs> You're the only Sorry, one how in my life. 13. 13 <laughs> get an early jump on it wow Shit. i honestly think the point in his life where he's 13 and he's doing these sort of things may have kind of honed his appetite and understanding oh, yeah. of how how manipulative or how formative those years are as mm -hmm. the early 13 14 15 um throughout wow. the 80s he see i'm jumping ahead he that's no, okay he, was involved in a lot of multi-level marketing companies like Amway. Uh-oh. Mm -mm. And he became even more fascinated in other multi-level marketing, things like Scientology. Oh. And he dived further into neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. Because Don't look into the, this dude's eyes, basically. The Yeah. The <laughs> studies and methods that he had, he used to kind of create his own cult uh, in the near future here. By 1984... Mm. The creepy really started to ooze out of him a bit, though, because he started up a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old girl okay. that he had met at his theater group. All right. He began to uh, apply some of the neuro-linguistic programming, mind control yep. techniques, and yep. even dabbling with uh, hypnotism a little bit. Wow. And had her induce, introduce him to some friends. Oh, Okay, that, hold on. I think I think I might know who this is, but carry on, please carry on. It's you. You probably do. This was quite recent and mm. super horrible. There's been a lot of stuff done on this guy. Okay, in in documentary form here recently, which okay. I'll talk about as well. Of course. Anyway, she introduced him to her other 15 year old friend Gina, and mm -hmm. they began to have a sexual relationship. Okay. Uh, until the older sister of Gina, Heidi, caught him climbing in the window of the young girl's bedroom and confronted Jesus. him. When she did this, he explained that her little sister was, quote, a Buddhist goddess and was uh, meant to be with him. Um, right. Big I don't think he flags. understands that sort of... It makes me mad Does he that understand he Buddhism? Buddhism in it. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of, kind of bugs me that he did that, but... Uh, his involvement with the girl led her to drop out of school and Ugh. continue her relationship with him and even work with him on his new venture, which he started in 1990. It was his okay. very own multi-level marketing company called ah. Consumer Bi Consumers Byline Inc., or CBI. Okay. 
That's a reasonably that that's kind of a as far as company names go, like and obviously this guy starting a cult, that's nothing that's gonna raise red flags straight away, a name like that. But, He's kind of just an annoying friend that I mean, outside of the sexual relationships, that's trying to get you to buy into their Amway program, but his yeah, own version. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, towards the middle of the 90s, Gina fell out of favor with him, and there wasn't a lot that was heard about her until she popped back up in 2002 when she was found dead of a gunshot wound to her head in a Buddhist temple in Woodstock, New York. Oh, my God. It was ruled a suicide, but it's... Again, it's disturbing that somebody like this guy and his situation would be tied in with Buddhism because that's not even mm. anywhere near like no. It's not even, not even just the same as saying it's it's not even a religion, it's a theory of like goodness, but yeah. This it, it's just a gateway for him, isn't it? Basically, it's another way into like acceptance with different people. It's like, oh, he's a Buddhist, he must be harmless. But actually right. I- I th- it could have been a disarming technique like that yeah. for sure. Mm. Well, in 1993, CBI was shut down and they were investigating him for pyramid schemes and other financial crimes. Mm-hmm. They didn't take it all the way to trial, but he did sign uh, an agreement not to be involved in multi-level distribution systems and he had to pay a $40,000 fine. That's a real but- slap on the wrist, that. Yeah, it didn't even deter him because in 1998, he started getting involved with a a woman named Nancy, who was a nurse and trained practitioner of hypnotism and, you guessed it, neuro-linguistic programming. Programming, there we go. His girlfriend at the time introduced him to Nancy to try to get him some help because she was kind of fearful of him almost a little bit but still infatuated, maybe a Stockholm Syndrome situation. Sure. Either way, she described him to Nancy. Nancy said, I can help him. He's a sociopath. I know just what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I can help a sociopath. Are we getting, like, massive Joker Harley Quinn vibes from this? A little bit, because after four (laughs) sessions with him, uh, she she came out with a glazed-over look in her eyes, (laughs) telling his then-girlfriend, Tony, that uh, you don't know who he is. He's special. Okay, yeah, definitely Joker Harley Quinn. (laughs) Under his spell, totally. Jesus. (laughs) She'd go on to be the co-founder of the multi-level marketing venture that would be the center of the unspeakable horrors that bring Mm. him to the forefront of recent history. Around the same time... Uh, he became involved with a recently divorced mother who had won the title of Miss Michigan in 1995. Ooh. Her name was Christine. He explained to her that a very profound event would often happen when women became intimate with him. Sometimes oh. they would even see a blue light. So his dick is magic, is what he's Apparently, saying, basically. It, yeah. Or it's Kmart, and he's throwing out the blue light special. <laughs> he, either way... She actually got talked into it, and she was intimate with him, and later recalled saying she saw a blue light afterwards. Excuse me. And He's remembering he suddenly back suddenly had, had a trap door in the ceiling, and a blue-like <laughs> beach ball comes bouncing out. <laughs> it got, worked. Uh, th- see, that would make it a lot more cartoon-like, oh, and I would amazing. feel more comfortable about this guy. <laughs> but he... He it wasn't like that, but she was aware later on uh, when she was talking about it that she was totally unaware of how susceptible her brain was to suggestion, which is 
Mm-hmm. The moral of the story behind this guy is just be yeah. careful with people. <laughs> yeah, and actually, I think he will have, because of the kind of stuff he studied, he will have known if certain people are more suggestible than others. Like he'll have picked people out that are like, oh yeah, I can absolutely manipulate this person. He may not have even realized it himself, but that's absolutely what he'll have been thinking. He's gotten so good at it, he doesn't even yeah. know that he's manipulating people. Basically, that's yes. Gross. That's mm. gross. <laughs> it is. Well, he thought that he could uh, use some of these techniques, though, and make some people his slaves for uh, his personal use. Oh, God. And uh, they were happy for the privilege because of his skill with those techniques mm. in manipulating them. The yeah. latest multi-level marketing venture that he started with Nancy was... Initially called an executive success program. Okay. It focused on personal development, offered a wide range of techniques aimed at self-improvement. This is scary to me because this is some of the stuff that I'm into. Right. Okay. So it's like, is it a kind of a form of self-help or, or something like that? Or A little bit, but mm. he twists it because he, he kind of breaks them down. Right. Makes them feel bad about themselves, points oh. out and, and makes it glaring on their insecurities. It's but Scientology. He can show them how to fix it. A little bit, but like, yeah. it's. I, I feel like it might be worse, but I haven't looked mm. into Scientology as much as this group. Maybe we won't because, uh, yeah, we don't need that kind of heat, to be honest. We don't need them knocking on our doors. Facts. Scientology's great. I don't know anything about it. Scientology is amazing. Buy into it, folks. Just throw your money down the drain. Uh, Yeah, sorry, carry Uh, on. He actually was so good at it that he managed to get some already rich and successful people doubting themselves and coming to him for help. Mm -hmm. And they just had to trust him. There was signs, though, that if you look back on it and you think about it, you're like, damn, how did we not see that? For Mm -hmm. instance... When he created the company, he assumed the title of Vanguard uh, in the program. And he assumed that because his favorite game, that was one of the titles, and the whole point of the game was to destroy one enemy's power in order to increase your own power and stature in the game. He he sounds like a fucking fucking Bond villain. Yeah. Pretty much. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) So in 2002... The program gained some more traction and credibility when it successfully recruited members from the in- influential uh, Bronfen family. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but they're the heirs to the multi-billion dollar Seagram's fortune, the Seagram oh. 7, the whiskey, the, the yeah. drinks and whatnot. Okay. From there, the number of famous and se- successful people became part of the program. It was kind of staggering. He brought in, um, God, just a, a list which now I'm out of order, but... <laughs> ah, there we go. Okay. Uh... Oh, no. That's okay. Take your time. Oh, there we go. You got it. He, he brought in people uh, such as a successful American businessman and reporter Sheila Johnson. Okay. Uh, American actress Allison Mack. Oh, no. Smallville. I know who he is. I know who he is. Oh, no, that's giving it away. I had a massive crush on her. (laughs) Even the Surgeon Generals and Enron executives, Stephen Cooper. Sorry, did you just say Enron? Yep. Uh, I I bet you he taught him a few things, huh? Spoiler alert for mine. 
There's a there's an ad. I mean, there's going to be a few noticeable behavioral links between the person I'm talking about and the person you are, but the Enron link is interesting, and I'll, I'll tell you about that when I get to mine. But carry on, please. I, I know who this is now, and you said Alison Mack, and then I thought she was so talented and she was gorgeous, and then this happens, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck, Jesus! Exactly. That's the exact well, reaction I have. Yeah. I'm like, her too. Yeah, that's really <laughs> sad. Well, <sighs> it gets worse, though, because mm. uh, time and time again, he used sexual manipulation to recruit mm-hmm. and control. He even managed to have a sexual relationship with the gatekeeper to the Dalai Lama himself. What? The- yep. Um. In 2009, <sighs> despite having taken a vow of celibacy, oh the monk in charge with being the gatekeeper for the Dalai Lama... Uh, got down and dirty with this gentleman and gained him access to the Dalai Lama, so <sighs> who almost kind of endorsed him a little bit. Well, I without mean, without knowing any better. Well, I, I mean, it's not. I mean, the guy is good at the, literally winning people over. I mean, you can talk about charming people, but this guy has spent a lifetime perfecting the art of manipulating and charming people into vulnerable positions so it wouldn't have been a stretch for him to get a powerful world figure to say this guy's all right you know that's that's not that difficult he even went so far as getting the dalai lama to write the foreword for one of the books that he co-wrote later on which it's a super duper bummer for me but he didn't only use the sex and 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 those sort of methods for manipulation, but he also tried to coerce powerful allies with mm-hmm. blackmail. In 2015, he hired a Canadian investigative firm to get some dirt on federal judges, U.S. senators, uh, reporters, editors, and publisher for the Times Union, who had done a story on him that wasn't so super flattering. It, he absolutely has become a Bond villain at this point. That's Jesus. Yep. And by 2017, enough was enough. The New York Times published a story on the organization and called it what it was, which was a cult. Mm-hmm. It, it it came out that there was a secret group within the group, a secret sorority called DOS, yeah. of women that were part of a special group. They were literally known as slaves. Oh, my God. They called themselves that, like, willingly because of mm. the manipulation from this guy. Yeah. And he had them branded with his initials as some sort of symbol. I um, remember hearing about this. That's That, for me, was the point at, like, wow, he has gone so far that he's literally branding humans. Yeah, yes. it's it's really disgusting yeah. to me. But mm-hmm. he uh, got them to do all of this and go so far and provide him with nude photos as well as damaging information that he could use against him to show, mm-hmm. you know, how committed and trusting they were of him. Yeah. But basically, he's like, here, give me everything I can use to take you down later on and yeah. hold against you so that I can maintain power forever. But When Jesus. the article came out in the New York Times, he took off to Mexico and <laughs> was accompanied by a few members from his inner circle wow. on... March 18th, he was arrested by the Mexican Federal Police, and it later came to light that they were getting ready to get down in a group sex sort of situation, mm-hmm. even while he's on the run. Well, the turd. yeah, I mean, you know, you're in Catalina, you know, the, the, the booze is flowing. 
You're running from the cops. You're running from the federales. You know <laughs> why not? You know, uh, Jesus, this guy. Wow. After they picked him up, the uh, and during the trial, a lot more bad things came out too. Uh, okay. Including perhaps a suspected rape of another 15 year old girl oh, no. named Camilla that happened in 2005. Wow. There was uh, speculation that he may have had connection to a string of homicides as well. Jesus. Like, I mentioned Gina, the 15-year-old girl he had a thing with mm-hmm. back when he was 24. Yeah. Well, it uh, she she was found dead. We talked about that. It was an apparent mm-hmm. suicide, but right. it she wasn't the only of his lovers that had committed suicide or randomly gotten cancer. That's uh, apparently, weird. he was feeding them large amounts of bismuth and other compounds oh that led to cervical cancer. Wh- I mean, that's why the, was he doing that? Thing. They were leaving him. They were running away when he oh got tired God. of them, and he didn't want anybody else to have them, or they were wandering off. He often wow. is. That's the suspicion. Wow. But there was uh, five or seven different women that were with him that later died of cancer or other suicide mysterious circumstances. That's high. That's a very, very high percentage. And then in 2009, I don't know why they haven't convicted him on this, but in 2009, he was filmed claiming that I have killed people because of my beliefs. Did he ever outline what his beliefs were, or is it basically I want to have sex with everyone? He he broke it down in the tenets, I believe, of the um, group that he formed. Okay. Uh, the cult he started was called Nexium. It's spelt all That's ridiculous. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was billed as the executive success program, and it offered mm. professional development seminars and group awareness training. And as of September 20th, it is estimated... Oh, September 20th, 2020, mm. it is estimated that roughly 50 to 60 people remain very loyal, which just blows my damn mind. Uh, hadn't he been convicted at that point, I think? Uh, it, it, he had not been convicted, and right. he even talked those 50 or 60 people into dancing and celebrating and protesting outside <laughs> of his jail and oh the God. prosecutor's homes. The prosecutor's? Who, he is out of his fucking mind. Oh yeah, my God. but uh, on October 27th, 2020, he was finally sentenced to 120 years in prison, Jesus. and he'll remain there until he's 160 years old or <laughs> is shivved by people that hate child molesting sexual deviants. But he's, he's yeah, I, I'd imagine at 120 years he'll probably go to some sort of supermax. And if... He's actually in my state, down in is... Tucson. He's in Tucson, right. I'd have thought he would have gone to Colorado because they've got a really big supermax there, haven't they, which is where they keep, like, really dangerous people. Uh, wow. Yeah. What's it, so, right, go on, sorry. I, I toyed with the idea on whether or not I was even going to say his name because I don't mm. know if I feel like he deserves to be remembered, but sure. I'll go with it that uh, not so much an idiot, more of a monster. Mm. His name was Keith Rainier. Yeah. He was the manipulative cult leader of Nexium and serial sexual deviant, and that's who I submit as my idiot this episode. Uh, that's that's an intense one for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, do we know what happened to Alison Mack? Because I know she was part of his inner sanctum. I remember reading about that, and I think she was going to be put on trial as well, and I really hope, because I'd imagine that she was manipulated into it at certain points. And yes, that doesn't kind of 
get rid of any guilt she might have, but I really hope she doesn't end up getting 120 years, because that's just sad. I know that, yeah, I believe his inner circle and upper members were also being tried, Oof. and I know that she was an important part in that mm. secret sorority, mm. and the initials that were branded could also look to be an AM. Oh, no. Within the KR. Oh, shit. Um, well, that's not good. Um, it's it's really difficult with this guy because we are talking about... And the thing is, when you look at people, and, you know, f for all we know, he might be... He might have killed people, as in he might be a serial killer, as well as all this terrible behaviour. Um, usually you look for inciting incidents in their youth or, like, neglect or whatever, but... You know, other than, like, maybe getting a, a god complex from a very young age, which wasn't brought about through trauma, he seems to have had an okay childhood. So... For the most part. His, yeah. His mom died in 78, which is right after yeah. he graduated high school, and I they mean, separated. But, yeah. But he was already I mean, a bit twisted at that point. I haven't... Yeah, and mine, mine are... <laughs> mine too, as well. It, it's, it's weird, because clearly... Um... Hmm. Something has messed him up. I, I I don't know what it is, but for him to have gone on to act the way he did is really disturbing. As far as idiot score, this is a really difficult one because what we're talking about here is someone who has committed heinous crimes and has shown literally no remorse for them and they seem to get progressively worse with time. If he'd had an intervention when he was younger and they'd maybe stopped him, when some of this behavior was starting to show its head, who knows where we would be now, you know? And I, I have Instead sympathy. Yeah, I have sympathy for people who have a problem and they get help. They realize there's a problem. They don't want to do the things they do and they seek help and they try and walk a path. Um, he seems to have no insight into that at all. So it's it's very he, difficult. He enjoys to... how bad he is, I think. Yeah, he revels in his mastery and control over other humans. I think I'm going to have to score him quite high. I think he's going to have to be like an 88. Um, okay. Actually, I might push that to a 90. Um, yeah, I think we'll go 90 with that one. He was always right. he was always going to be caught. Um, it, it's very difficult to score him because. You know, it's more monstrous behavior than idiocy, but yeah. just truly, truly horrible. And it's interesting because I was watching a program the other day about serial killers and specifically about Harold Shipman, who is the most prolific serial killer the UK has ever had. He may have killed something upwards of 300 people in his time as a Good doctor. Lord. Yeah. If you ever look into Harold Shipman, he was only ever convicted, I think, of about six but when they look back through his caseload as a doctor, they're like, he's killed hundreds of women and old men. Um, they were saying that his last one, where he killed a, a woman who was in reasonable health and then tried to steal her money, all of it, by changing the will, which was the first and only time he ever did that. And people have speculated, maybe he wanted to get caught. Maybe at that maybe. point, the weight of his crimes and his behavior, even though he showed no remorse, was such that he just had to give up. And he he wanted to do it 
in a way where he would be caught. And uh, I don't know. That's the argument that some people have with serial killers, that eventually the ones that get caught sometimes do it because they want to be caught, because they just can't take it anymore, what they're that doing. makes sense. Yeah. To a I certain guess. extent. And that feels um, slightly redemptive, ever so slightly. I mean, it's not forgiving what they've done, but at, you know, at least a part of their humanity is there deliberately sabotaging their acts, potentially. That's that's the theory. With this guy, um, obviously he'd done so many terrible things. I wonder if he was pushing it so far that eventually he was bound to be caught because he just kept on ramping it up and getting worse and worse with time. I think 90 is a fair score. Um, I think so. Yeah, think he so. is. And I think that he, honest to God, believed that he was above getting caught. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is honest to goodness psychopathic tendencies in this guy. And, you know, I have um, absolutely no, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me on that. My person, now, whether this person is a psychopath or a sociopath or a narcissist, is really down to how you interpret those things and what you think of their actions. You've given me quite a high bar this week in terms of like quite intense, terrible behavior. See, and I, I wrestled because I know we're, you know, comedy history <laughs> yeah, yeah. sort of stuff. And I, yeah. I tried to figure out how to make this horrible bastard funny. but It's really difficult. There's a lesson there, though. There is. And there that's... are absolutely lessons there. And I think a part of it is, you know, his dad said when I gave him praise, he suddenly became this egotist. I kind of wonder if his dad had maybe taken him to a child psychologist at that age, maybe if so, if a good child psychologist, maybe if someone could have broken that pattern of behavior, maybe, and we might be in a better position, so... Maybe, but it was the 60s in America, yeah. you just been put in an insane asylum. Exactly, locked, yeah. Well, that would have worked too, I That, that would have worked, yeah, that might have actually been for the best. Anyway, my person this week, and it's kind of a bit of a moment for us, our ninth episode in, we've now had, what are we talking, 17 idiots, including the one you just mentioned. This is our first female idiot. Number 18 on history's greatest idiots, our entry is Elizabeth Ann Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes, let me give you an intro, is an American... No form- relation to Sherlock, right? No fucking way this woman is related to that dude. Is an American former, sorry, American former businesswoman who is the founder and chief executive of Theranos, a now defunct defunct health technology company. Theranos soared in valuation after the company claimed to have revolutionized blood testing by developing testing methods that could use um, surprisingly small volumes of blood such as from a finger prick by 2015 Forbes had named Holmes the youngest and wealthiest self-made female billionaire in America on the basis of a 9 billion dollar valuation of her company the next year following revelations and potential fraud about Theranos' claims Forbes, uh, Forbes had revised its publication estimate of Holmes' net worth to zero and Fortune had named her. Wah, yeah. uh, Fortune had named her one of the world's most disappointing leaders, which is like, who gives a shit? Fortune. Well, I mean, that's that's a long list. You're disappointing, <laughs> but you're still saying I'm a leader. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think they were just Good bitter point. because they've been conned by her and they didn't see it earlier. Like the red- yeah. 
Yeah. The warning signs are there with this woman, and I'm surprised that so many people bought into it, especially because before this podcast, um, I showed you um, a trans... Well, video footage of her speech patterns, and she affects a baritone voice that doesn't feel genuine to me at all. I know. I mean, everybody's voice, you can put a little bit of extra bass in your voice whenever you want to, right? But the way she talked, it's suspiciously affected, I think. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that nobody saw that and they're like, this is a bit of a th- red flag. Why don't we look closer into this? Anyway, um, <laughs> so the next year following revelations, that, oh no, that's I'm already there. Elizabeth Ann Holmes uh, was born February the 3rd, 1984 in Washington, D.C. Her father, Christian Rasmus Holmes the fourth, fuck me, um, <laughs> was a vice president at Enron! Alarm, uh, alarm, alarm. <laughs> so, so she's hanging out with bad people. She's I mean, hanging out with... To... Bring your daughter to paper shredding work day. Yeah. <laughs> an energy company that later went bankrupt after an accounting fraud scandal. That's pointing it mildly. It was one of the biggest corporate fraud scandals in like human history. That's a yeah. subject for another episode, Enron. That was They were lying through their teeth. Um, constantly, like, up until the day it happened. It was unbelievable. Um, later, this guy, Christian Rasmus Holmes III, uh, fourth, sorry, there was there was another one in there, later <laughs> held executive positions in government agencies such as USAID, the EPA, and the USTDA, which, given that he worked at Enron, is really disturbing. Her mother, wow. Noelle Ann, was, uh, worked as a congressional committee staffer I don't know what that is. Do they get coffee? What is that? Uh, yeah, coffee. I think they help the speechwriter with providing oh. with paper, and I don't know. Okay, it sounds like no a idea. bit of a, bo- a busy job. Like, you're in I'm... the congressional sphere, but committee staffer, what the hell do they do? It's disappointing as hell to know that they're, they're involved in government a- afterwards, uh, of you're course. saying. Of course, yeah, after yeah. Enron. It's like, yeah, we'll hire this dude. No no black marks on his name. Holmes. I wonder att- we're a shit show over here. <laughs> well, Trump will be working for USAID next. Um, Holmes <laughs> attended St. John's School in Houston. During high school, she was interested in computer programming and claims she started her first business selling C++ compilers to Chinese universities. I call bullshit. There's no way any high school kid is doing that. Her parents had arranged Mandarin Chinese home tutoring and partway through high school, Holmes began attending Stanford University's Summer Mandarin program. If only they'd known they would have barred her at the gates. In 2002, Holmes attended Stanford where she studied chemical engineering and worked as a student researcher and laboratory assistant in the School of Engineering. So, initial thoughts. What are you making of of Elizabeth Holmes at this point? She's building credibility at an early age that she's a genius and in the field. Exactly. So it's, this is a hell of a long con. It is a to be making these sorts of moves at her age. I don't know what so, uh, somebody must have instilled in her at a young age. Like if to get ahead in business, you've got to connect. You've got to have a network. You've got to schmooze. You've got to. She's doing that early, you know. Um, so it kind of 
molds a little bit now that she's in university. After the end of her freshman year, Holmes worked in a laboratory at the Genome Institute of Singapore and tested for severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus. SARS COVID uh, one stuff. Yes, yeah. uh, it's her fault. Uh, through the collection of blood samples with syringes, she filled her first patent application on a wearable drug delivery patch in 2003. In 2004, she dropped out of Stanford School of Engineering and used her tuition money as seed funding for a, con- a consumer health technology company. So she's like, okay. "I don't need you. I'm getting out of Stanford. I'm going to start my own company." That's an accurate impression, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> Entirely Just like accurate. For Stanford. Yes. <laughs> Holmes founded the company Real Time Cures in Palo Alto, California, because of course she went to Palo Alto to find a company like that. Uh, to and this is I fucking hate this to democratize healthcare. Just fuck off with that sort of like jingo. It's just I don't even know what that means. What what does it mean? It's healthcare, right? It's already so, fucking so wait, democratized. People, they're gonna get together and vote on whether I get healthcare. Or... Yeah, you can get fucked. Yeah, you can see the doctor today. Hold on, we gotta get ten people together. Yeah, and we'll all vote on whether or not you're getting in. If there's a, we'll do a first past the post system. So I'm sure you'll be fine. Holmes described consuming. Oh, it's just uh, democratized healthcare. What? What does that even fucking mean? Holmes described her fear of needles as a motivation and sought to perform blood tests using only small amounts of blood. Now I can kind of um I can connect with that because I've been having blood tests since I was 12 years old. I had a heart condition when I was younger and I've got Crohn's disease now, so I have to have blood tests every 6 months and sometimes more often than that. So I am constantly getting bloods done and when you've had surgery multiple times and you've had loads of needles in you, you're not the biggest fan. So I get that she was inspired right. by yeah. a fear of needles. But the way I cope with it is I buy numbing cream, I put it on my arm, I wrap my arm in saran wrap, and after about 30 minutes, my basically m- most of my arm is completely numb. And then I go in, I get my bloods done, I turn away, I try not to faint, and occasionally if they hit a nerve like happened this time, I'll pass out. It's it's not enough for me to think I'm going to start a health tech company over, really. But, but she's, I mean, she's went to school for chemical and biological. That's true. And, yeah, Might I mean, as well use it. She, and that she she created did she actually create the technology of like a wearable? Uh, well, she patented dispenser? it. She filed her first okay. patent, so she is the patent holder. Whether that means she, I mean, she may well have done. She may be like a co-developer of that, or she may be the sole developer. But she holds the patent for that. And actually, we'll get to her patents later. She has a lot okay. of patents, well, so she that, has done a that lot. That one of it. I just know is actually real and yeah, oh yeah yeah recent, though. Back in, and back in 2003-04, I guess that would have been a massive innovation, really, in the medical so. field. So, yeah, good for her on that front, but fuck her for the rest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when Holmes initially pitched the... Uh, this is this is where it gets really weird. When Holmes pitched initially pitched the idea to reap vast amounts of data from a few droplets of blood derived from the tip of a finger, her medicine professor, uh, Phyllis Gardner at Stanford... Gardner responded, I don't think your idea is going to work, Um, explaining (laughs) it was impossible to do what Holmes was claiming could be done. Several other Uh, medical experts, uh, professors, 
told Holmes exactly the same thing. However, Holmes did not relent, and she succeeded in getting her advisor and the dean of the fucking school, Channing Robertson, to back her idea. Now, I'm sorry, these fucking academics need looking into, because if you've got an annoying student that won't leave you alone, despite the fact that you know they're completely wrong, don't just give in. Fucking... TP their dorm or something else. Don't fucking let them do what they want. Well, yeah, and definitely don't let them bring democracy to <laughs> the choices of reality. We all voted on it. This shit that's not real, it's real now. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. She's like, uh, no, no, you're you're wrong. No, but I, I I I tell you it can work. And then weeks and weeks later, they're like, fine, it'll work. Leave me alone, Jesus. I just want some yep. coffee. You know, it's just <laughs> what the hell. In 2003, Holmes renamed the company Theranos, a portmanteau of therapy and diagnosis, because people love to do portmanteaus for company names. I, I'm not a massive fan. Robertson became the company's first board member and introduced Holmes to venture capitalists. Why did you do that with hindsight? I feel like a l- venture capitalists back a lot of crazy oh, ass yeah. people. Fuck me. Yeah. I mean, do. maybe it pays off. It's probably a, an averages thing, but there's some real scumbags. Yeah. I, say, I that feel they like we give should money to. I think we should approach some of these people. We might be able to get some money out of them. Because they're throwing money at it's, everything. It's crazy. It's possible. It's possible. It really is. Holmes was an admirer. This is this is one that really weirds me out as well. Holmes was an admirer of Apple founder Steve Jobs. Nothing wrong with that, but she deliberately right. copied his style, frequently dressing in a black turtleneck sweater, just as Jobs did. Now he didn't do that all the time. I just want to point that he went through a phase of wearing black turtlenecks, and it was usually when he was suffering the side effects of cancer treatment. So. I think, ah. yeah, I think that was, he, he may have chosen it. Who knows? Steve Jobs was kind of a, a, an odd guy at moments. So, But she was like, I'm going to exclusively dress in turtleneck sweaters. And it's like, well, just he did it Only once or twice. single white female lady. Yeah. Um, Holmes claims her mother dressed her in black turtlenecks when she was young. But an employee says uh, she suggested copying Jobs' famous Issy Mio- Miyake turtleneck look back in 2007 that means that it probably cost a fortune i'd imagine if it's got a name like that like and all- yeah plus she didn't have a mother and she was raised in a lab yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it at Sorry. this point um also like i i don't like black turtlenecks i associate those with two uh, apart from steve jobs i associate them with two things um kind of actors in the 80s who didn't have the budget to do shakespearean plays but they they all had a turtleneck, so they wore a turtleneck to do Macbeth, and that's what I associated with. And then like, um, Archer. Phoenix. I was going to say oh. uh, the TV show Archer <laughs> because he has tactical turtlenecks, which he calls tactile necks. <laughs> and some are in Archer's black, awesome. and some are in a slightly lighter shade of black, and they all cost five hundred dollars. And yeah. Anyway, that's, that, yeah. So I associated with a cartoon idiot and uh, out of work <laughs> actors. Basically, (laughs) during most of her public appearances, she spoke in a deep baritone voice. And although a former Theranos colleague later claimed he heard her use the voice of a typical woman in her 20s. I don't really know how you can describe that. But anyway, um, to welcome him uh, when he was new. So she was very excited to meet him and the, the, the kind of the facade dropped. 
sort of thing. Okay. But her family maintain that she's always had a baritone voice. Now, um, and that it's authentic. I don't know if that's just her trying things out on them, potentially, to see if that works, but I I don't know. I get the sense that maybe she uses a specific voice to be taken more seriously. And when she's not concentrating, she'll go, you know, like they'll get the, kind of the voice crack or something. But it's just, it's another weird thing. Like you're a Steve Jobs fan and to the point where you copy his clothes and you put on a, maybe a fake voice. It's like, uh, should she's you be like leading a $9 billion her- company? Really? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, she's wearing a turtleneck. She's wearing a turtleneck. Listen to what the woman has to say. Uh, By December 2013, Holmes had raised $6 million to fund the firm. By 2010, Theranos had more than $92 million in venture capital. They, Lord. I know. They were fleeced, to be honest. In July 2011, Holmes was introduced to the former Secretary of State, George Schultz. After a two-hour meeting, he joined the Theranos Board of Directors. After two hours, the former Secretary wow. of State was on board. Holmes was recognized for forming the most illustrious board in U.S. corporate history over the next three years. It doesn't say who recognized her, but... Forbes and Fortune seem to like her, so yeah, someone crawled up her arsehole with that one. Um, Holmes operated Theranos in stealth mode without press releases or a company website until September 2013 when the company announced a partnership with Walgreens. I guess you can't really hide at that point, can you? Because Walgreens are massive. To launch an in-store blood sample collection center. Um, across Walgreens. She was interviewed for Medscape by its editor-in-chief, Eric Topol, who praised her for this phenomenal rebooting of laboratory medicine. Dude, you needed to do your research. Um, media attention. All of these people... They buy it, don't <laughs> they? So, it, and again, you remember we were talking about... Not manipul- even... Go on, sorry. I was just going to say, they're not even... She's not even showing them no. anything. She's just saying Talking, shit. exactly. Like, yeah. She's using really, really good convincing buzzwords. And you know we talked about Keith Reindeer, or whatever the fuck he's called? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was very, very good. And he'd, like, specifically studied neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and all of this stuff so that he could convince people. I feel like people who are narcissistic, possibly psychopathic, they are very, very good at convincing people, and they realize they are. So for this guy to... For Keith Rainier to sleep his way into the Dalai Lama's life, and then for this woman to get a former Secretary of State, one of the most powerful offices in all of American politics, to be on board after two hours? And this guy is an experienced statesman. He is no, like, appointee that is just, you know, my daughter's friend i'm not talking about trump i swear um you know (laughs) these are experienced seasoned people and they are buying it hook line and sinker it's really disturbing um let's see media attention increased in 2014 when holmes appeared on the covers of forbes fortune t the new york times style magazine i don't know why they just call it t and um holmes recognized for uh, Forbes recognized Holmes, sorry, as the world's youngest self-made female billionaire and ranked her number 110 on the Forbes 400 in 2014. That's a thing, I guess. I've never heard of it before. Theranos was valued at $9 billion, 
Nine billion. What in the I know. absolute hell? <laughs> and had raised more than 400 million in venture capital at this point. By the end of 2014, her name appeared on 18 US patents and 56 foreign patents. During 2015, Holmes established agreements with the Cleveland Clinic, Capital Blue Cross, and Mary Health, Car- Caritas... Uh, I guess those are healthcare providers, I don't know, to use yeah. Theranos technology. So at this point, she is on top of the fucking world, right? How Okay, I don't know what's required <laughs> to get a patent, yeah. but I feel like y- you can't just like write shit no, no, down no. and be like, oh yeah, here you go. Maybe she walked it, into the patent office be... and she's like, I got another patent for you, it's definitely mine. Maybe she's that convincing. Maybe. I guess I'm just confused as to how you could submit something and get a patent and have it not actually exist or be possible to exist. (laughs) Exactly. It's kind of like you can submit like there's so many patents. Like the reason why companies like Google and Apple and Microsoft and Sony and they're all buying up all these smaller companies. It's largely because they have patents on like touchscreen technology where you swipe your finger from right to left we patented that a different patent from the one that goes up to down and stuff like there's all these micro patents that earn them like this will earn us a million dollars a year and this will you know i've got an idea yeah i've got an idea i'm gonna get a patent for a teleportation machine right (laughs) doesn't have to work it's it's just gonna look like a wardrobe don't worry it works (laughs) I, if you if you patent that, Lord. I'm going to patent the doorknob <laughs> to the time machine, time machine slash wardrobe. And, there you go. Uh, yep, and uh, I'm also going to patent the feet of the time machine slash wardrobe and the wooden effect of the time machine slash wardrobe. <laughs> Uh, that way we can both claim chunks of whenever those are used in future because also I'm going to patent flux capacitor. I know it's probably not been there patented yet, so there we go. Whenever someone invents a flux capacitor, I want my fucking money. Um, <laughs> with, with, with it's, apparently that's how it works. 4D chess right here in this podcast. It's amazing. So she's on yep. top of the world and, uh, you know, apparently lying through your teeth with a distinctly odd-sounding baritone voice work out fine every time. But the world is about to come crashing down. Now, I'm going to struggle with this guy's name, but I'm going to try. John Carriro. Carriro. And for some reason, whenever I say his name, I think of carry on our way with son. Yep, I was just thinking Exactly. (laughs) Neurolinguistic programming. (laughs) Maybe Dude, not. is there something in her voice? Uh, yeah. Was that programmed? Carry on <laughs> John Carreyrou of the Wall Street Journal initiated a secret months-long investigation. I already fucking love this guy. Of Theranos after he received a tip from a medical expert who thought that the Edison blood testing device seemed suspicious. She called it Edison. So, uh-huh. yeah, she named it after one of history's greatest thieves. So uh, that's probably a, an immediate red flag. Uh, he had a lot of patents, too. He that's did. how she, she did it. Loves. She just put... <laughs> She's copying from the best. She just put Edison on it. They were like, fuck it. Yeah. It, it seems legit. It's fine. Uh, Carrie Roo spoke to ex-employee whistleblowers and obtained company documents. When Holmes learned of the investigation, she initiated a campaign through her lawyer, David Boyes. 
It sounds like oh, some, it sounds like something that the Beastie Boys would say. Boys <laughs> to stop Carrie Roo from all oh, these fucking names from publishing, which included legal and financial threats against both the journal and the whistleblowers. She's threatening whistle whistleblowers. That's pretty fucking mad. That's out there. Presidential these days. Oh, yeah, apparently. In October 2015, <laughs> despite Boise's legal threats and strong-arm tactics, Carrie Roo published a bombshell article detail, uh, detailing how the Edison device gave inaccurate results and revealing that the company had been using commercially available machines made by other manufacturers for most of its testing. So it's just like, <laughs> look, we've, ooh, look at this fancy machine. Like, Why is this cardboard thing covering this machine i've seen dozens of times before <laughs> damn <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's like i made i made some homemade salsa don't pay no mind to the fact that it's in a yeah the jars in the, the recycling are there from someone else <laughs> <laughs> carry uh contain uh, continued to expose Holmes in a series of articles and in 2018 published a book titled Bad Blood, Secrets and Lies in Silicon Valley Startup, detailing his investigation of Theranos. I'd fucking love to read that book. Holmes denied all the claims, calling the journal a a tabloid and promising the company would publish data on the accuracy of its tests. It never did. She appeared on... Yeah. You can't say something like that and then just not fucking do it. Like, you're done at that point, really. She appeared on CNBC's Mad Money the same evening the article was published. Kramer said the article was pretty brutal, to which Holmes responded, this is what happens when you work to change things. First they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world. We heard that quote, I think, when I played you her voice. What does that... You've missed several steps there. Yeah. First, they think you're crazy. Then they fight you. Uh, Several decades go by. And then all of a sudden, you change the world. It's like, no, you've missed a few steps in that process, I think. Yeah, the part of providing something of substance. (laughs) Exactly. First, they think you're crazy. Then they say that you're a thief. Then they say that you're copying everyone else. (laughs) And then you've changed the world. No, you're in prison. Um, (laughs) In 2016, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, sent a warning letter to Theranos after an inspection of its Newark, California laboratory uncovered irregularities with staff proficiency, procedures and equipment. CMS regulators proposed a two-year ban for on homes from owning or operating a certified clinical laboratory after the company had no fix had not fixed problems in its California lab in March 2016 on the today show Holmes said she was devastated but we did not catch and fix the issues faster and said that the lab would be rebuilt with help from a new scientific medical advisory board. That's also never happened. In July 2016, CMS officially banned Holmes from owning, operating or directing a blood testing service for a period of two years. Uh, Theranos appealed the decision to a US Department of Health and Human Services appeal board. No. Shortly thereafter, go on, what were you going to say? 
Two, two years? Two years. I think you're not allowed to do it anymore. Yeah, I, that should be enough, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, don't don't let it linger on anymore. Soon, as soon as you provide that stuff you say you were going to give us, then maybe we'll <laughs> yeah. think about it Then we'll there. consider it. Shortly after this happened, Walgreens ended its relationship with Theranos and closed its install blood collection centers, which that that is a disturbing collection of words, to be honest with you. Blood collection centers. Sounds like you're a bunch of fucking vampires behind sheets or something, just draining victims. Um, I felt a little bit icky when you said it. Yeah, blood collection centers. Fuck it, I don't want to go to a center that collects blood. That just sounds wrong. The FDA also ordered the company to cease use of its capillary tube nanotainer device, one of its core inventions. That sounds like something out of a Doctor Who episode. It does. Capillary Na- tube nanotainer device. What the fuck is a nanotainer? Um, I don't know. It's my new rap name. Yeah, they can't use it anyway. So it doesn't little really nanotainer. Little nanotainer. <laughs> nanotainer X. In yeah. 2017, the state of Arizona uh, oh, filed suit against Theranos, alleging the company had sold 1.5 million blood tests to Arizonans while concealing or misrepresenting important facts about those tests, i.e. they couldn't be fucking done. Um, (laughs) In April 2017, the company settled the lawsuit by agreeing to refund the cost of the test to consumers and to pay $225,000 in civil fines. That's a drop in the ocean. And attorney fees... Oh, here we go. Attorney fees for a total of $4.65 million. So we're starting the ball rolling with the insane values. It's a start. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that went a long way in Arizona. Um, to yes, yeah, that will have well for, for well, I mean, how many people bought that test? Probably shit. That's well, one point five million blood tests to Arizonans. So that's a lot of people. That doesn't sound like, like a enough. Dollar a test. Yeah, that needs to be. That should have been like ten million. I'd have said. Yeah. Anyway, other reported ongoing actions included unspecified FBI investigations and two class action fraud lawsuits. Holmes denied any wrongdoing because she's not going to come out and say, yeah, we did. We did all that shit. On May 16th, 2017, approximately 99% of Theranos' shareholders reached an agreement with the company to dismiss all current and potential litigation in exchange for shares of preferred stock. Holmes released a portion of her equity to offset any dilution of stock values to non-participating shareholders, blah, 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 stock market things. Um, In March 2018, the US Securities and Exchange Commission charged Holmes and Theranos, former President Ramesh Balwani, with fraud by taking more than $700 million dollars from investors while advertising a false product. That is a big fucking charge. On March 14th, 2018, Holmes settled an SEC lawsuit. The charges of fraud included the company's false claim that its technology was being used by the US Department of Defense in combat situations. They said this shit was on the front lines. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the company, all, and this is this is a great quote. The company also lied when it claimed to have not. They're not saying like misled. They're also just lied. lied. Also lied uh, when it claimed to have a hundred million dollars in revenue stream in 2014. That year, the company only made a hundred thousand. So, oh, that's pretty bad. Good Lord, you've added a yeah. few zeros there. Um, 
The terms of Holmes's <laughs> settlement included surrendering voting control of Theranos, a ban on holding an officer position in a public company for 10 years, and a $500,000 fine. Again, drop in the ocean, that. But how is Theranos still a company? They don't do anything. Ah, this is where it gets really funny for Theranos. Well, sad for other people, but funny for Theranos. At its height in 2015, Theranos had more than 800 employees. It fired 314, 340 staff members in October 2016 and an additional 155 employees in January of 2017. In April 2018... Theranos filed a WARN Act notice with the state of California announcing its plans to permanently lay off 105 employees, leaving it with fewer than two dozen employees. Most of the remaining employees were laid off in August 2018. On September the 5th, 2018, the company announced that it had begun the process of formally dissolving with its remaining cash and assets to be distributed to creditors. What could they possibly have left at this point? seems like that went on for a really long yeah. time and i i have to not be understanding but how the hell do they have so many employees when they don't they do don't anything make a thing they're literally the subject of litigation that's all they're doing at this point i'd be fucking filling my pockets with all of the stuff in the the inventory like i'd be taking pens loo rolls i'd be stripping <laughs> posters off the walls yeah, just clearing out the vending machine. I'm going to take this chair for a snacks. walk. I'm tr- okay. I want two, one of two things right. here yeah. that that she has. Okay. Either the fake job that it does nothing and I do <laughs> nothing and I get paid. Hell yes. Or just just a taste of the billions of dollars <sighs> yeah. that venture capitalists just give to crazy people. Just give me ten million. I just I don't. Even, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be that much. Just, I'll, Give him ten, and then, like you can give me two, and I'll be good. Is that, yeah, like like you clearly throwing bad money after good at this point. So just just give us a little bit of money. We just want to enjoy life a yeah. little bit. You know, we've earned it. Anyway, just a taste, just a smidge. Um, on Feb- uh, June fifteenth, twenty eighteen, following an investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of California in San Francisco that lasted more than two years. A federal grand jury indicted Holmes and former Theranos chief operating officer and president Ramesh Sonny Balwani on nine counts. <laughs> I, where did he get that nickname? I, I don't even want to know. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's his disposition. Yeah, <laughs> I've got millions of dollars. I'm so happy. On nine counts <laughs> of wire fraud and two counts of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, both pleaded not guilty because they're fucking deluded. Prosecutors allege yeah. that Holmes and Balwani engaged in two criminal schemes: one to defraud investors, the other to defraud doctors and patients. That's going to be the big one. After the indictment was issued, Holmes stepped down as CEO of Theranos, but remained as chair of the board. So, you know. Jeez. <laughs> they don't even go broke. I don't work here, but I still work here. Yeah. And we I'm, exist. I'm no CEO, but I'm chair of the board. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> this is the, the kind of the interesting part of this whole thing, and I'm coming to an end now. The case is uh, US v. Holmes, 18-CR.00258, United States District Court for the Northern District of California, and it is currently set to begin on, uh, this is coming up, August 31st, 2021, after being pushed back due to COVID-19 pandemic and her pregnancy. So, 
Um, in that time, she's what? managed to become pregnant. Yeah. If convicted, okay. Holmes faces a sentence of 20 years in prison and a fine of $250,000. This is the interesting part. Plus restitution for each count of wire fraud and each conspiracy count. So that might just wipe her out. Like whatever millions okay. she might have, they will be gone when because that's Al Capone sure. level like kind of fraud right there. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, don't get to walk away and still be rich. No, no, you shouldn't really in this situation. Um, and thus halts the tale for now until August the thirty first of this year of Elizabeth Ann Holmes, the woman with the baritone voice. Who defrauded seven hundred million dollars out of idiots who had too much money, and then lied to the entire world? So yeah, she sounds a lot like Winston Churchill. Yeah, it did a little bit, didn't it? I went, yeah, I almost <laughs> went brave beaches speech stuff. So, what do you make of Elizabeth Ann Holmes, our first ever female idiot? She sucks. <laughs> she's not a good person. She's not, and um, she's. Because we were talking about Keith Rainier and like, you know, the debate, like, I, I don't like using the words evil because it kind of it distances humans from the possibility that those actions might happen. They're like, oh, that person's evil. Therefore, it'll never happen again. It won't happen to this person. I shouldn't be suspicious. Like it, it's part. Of, it does happen. And calling it evil dismisses it. I don't think Elizabeth Holmes is evil. I think she's deluded. Um, yeah. And. And uh, lies a lot. Lies a lot to uh, not be truthful. An incredibly good talker as well, because I've seen interviews with her where she's caught on the back foot, and she has such a repertoire of bullshit terms that she can just throw at the interviewer. One of whom was Bill Clinton, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I like what this girl's saying." Yeah, and it's like, yeah, Bill's anything, See, anything I... with long hair and uh, and a female voice, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, tell me what you gotta say." Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's spellbound by her, but she is very very convincing in interviews, except when she's doing that whole. People dismiss you and then you change the world. That's just like, no one's buying that bullshit. But in one-on-one interviews, when she is pressed for stuff, she's really, really convincing. However, I've seen footage of her with federal prosecutors and they're just saying, we just want yes or no answers. We don't want long-winded answers. Did you ever have anything on the front line of combat? No. Well, define front line. Yeah, she wasn't. She was just like, uh, no. Uh, did you ever have anything that worked in um, uh, Walgreens that was original to you? Uh, no. Did you ever have... And it's just, no, 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 no. And it's the it's on camera. It's the only time she's ever given a straightforward answer. But she could have been a politician. It trips me out how often I'm seeing this occur mm. of people just, what is it, entrancing people yeah. with the use of buzzwords like just made up nonsense like mm. there's no real point to it they're talking in a circle yep. and they're saying amazing things and they're getting y'all hyped up because the next it's almost like clickbait yep. but verbal clickbait exactly and the weird thing and- is because we've been so we're so used to it from politicians from you know personalities and people we kind of give people a pass because we're like, oh, they're doing that yeah. thing where they don't answer properly. Instead of going, why are you not fucking answering the question? We're like, oh, they're right. doing the politicians thing. Oh, aren't they clever? No, let them answer the fucking question. We really needed, and this is a thing, 
I, I re- highly recommend you go and check out on YouTube. There was an interviewer in this country, and um, we have a lot of very stern political interviewers in this country. They are pit bulls when they go after blood. There was a guy called Jeremy Paxman, who is legendary in this country for being the hardest interview in human history. People, politicians of immense stature, have been caught in his gravitational field and never been seen or heard from again because their careers have been destroyed. And there is an interview where he's talking to a a Tory politician, a Conservative politician, I think it was Michael... I can't remember his name now. And there was a scandal in the House of Parliament where he threatened to overrule a member of the Conservative Party. And the guy wasn't answering the question. And it went back to Paxman, and he just kept going, did you threaten to overrule him? Did you threaten to overrule him? Yes, but did you threaten to overrule him? Did you threaten to overrule him? Yes, but did you threaten... He does it 19 times until he gets Damn. the answer. He does not give up. And also, he was he was talking to Sting about, isn't it a bit hypocritical of you, Sting, to fly around the world and lecture people on environmental causes when you use a private jet? <laughs> and he's like, well, you yeah. know, I've got to get the word out. And uh, it's always easy for people to point the finger at celebrities and say that they're hypocrites. And he said, nobody's calling celebrities a hypocrite, Sting. I'm calling you a hypocrite. So um, Damn. <laughs> he is a master of not letting people get away with it. And I feel like we need more of that. We need more people yes. who hold... Uh, buzzword spouting lunatics to account, to be quite honest. I agree. So, Elizabeth Holmes, what do you make of her and her idiocy? Okay. I'm not going to go no. super high no. because it was mostly money. I don't, yeah. there's not a lot of like real, in terms of damage, sudden or long term death. Yeah. It's, I think it's like a lot of this blame is on the people that bought it. Really, like, how could you be so naive? And so many people were. It's kind of like when right. when we had Malachi Love Robinson. It's like a part, a number of items of blame really fall on the state of Florida with that kid because he was allowed to get yeah. away with it for so long. So yeah, what would you do? You think scoring wise with Elizabeth Holmes? With Elizabeth Holmes, she gets extra bonus points because somehow our stories, though we don't talk to each other, are related. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I'm. I'll go 85 with I, her. I like that. It's, yeah, she's a fair I, idiot. It, it's she's. She was never going to get away with it again because right. she didn't make anything. You know, it didn't work. So eventually, she was going to get found out. But I feel like she got away with it for like nearly a decade, really. And way too long. Yeah, well, I can't even get away with hardly working at work for that I know. long before they get. I take half an hour to play football manager on my PC, and I've got people pestering me, wondering what's going on. You know, right? <laughs> so, how does it last so long for? Yeah, I just want to taste. I know just... they were hypnotized by that voice. Uh, everything, everything's yeah. fine. Don't ask any questions. So, yeah, that was creepy. It... <laughs> I've turned her Maybe into. Maybe it, it hits a tone. Yeah. Maybe it hits like a megahertz range yeah. that automatically makes you just buy into her. Maybe she's a super villain. She might be. Maybe, yeah. And when you said hit a certain tone, my mind immediately went to the brown note in South Park, the one yep. note that makes people shit themselves. Um, don't know yep. why my mind went there, but there we go. I'm 40 years old and still a child. Um, so, <laughs> so Elizabeth Holmes gets an 85, and Keith Reindeer gets a 90 on the idiot scale, although he was like full on, like just supervillain levels bad of guy. yeah, real, real bad shit. 
So that's our show for this week. Um, really quite fascinating stories. How did you find um, the process this week, Derek? Because I know it was slightly darker subject matter this time. I was watching shows that dealt with cults. <laughs> right. And I was like, there's there's actually like four different ones that are out on cults nice. and different documentaries and whatnot. And I, I was just cranking through the Netflix Explained series sure. and cults were one of them. And they touched on this guy. And I'm like, mm. oh, that asshole. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember like when you started saying cult, you gave me his date of birth and how he ingratiated himself. And I was like... I feel like this is familiar. And I think I may have watched a similar documentary to you, possibly, on this guy. So, yeah. Yeah, they're all over the yeah, place they really are. right now. Um, so, yeah, that's that's our show for this week. Um, thank you so much, um, Derek. It's been an absolute blast doing it, as always. Um, I, I'm really it enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and we're going to try a slightly different format next time. So, uh, if you're listening now, keep your... Uh, Keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. We'll see if it works. It may or may not. Um, but for now, yeah, that's that's our show. Well, Go on, what were you going to say? Sorry. Sp- speaking of how I, I got it, oh, yeah. um, if anybody wants to hit us up on the Twitter oh, and yes. give us ideas for idiots that they want to hear you. about. That's yeah, Yes. Yeah. Um, Twitter and Instagram, you can find us by searching History's Greatest Idiots. I think on Twitter we're just called Greatest Idiots. I don't think I could get the histories part down. But History's Greatest Idiots on Instagram and also Greatest Idiots on Twitter. If you just generally search History's Greatest Idiots, you will find us. There are links out there. And send us your details and information about idiots that we may have missed and we might want to cover. Um, but yes, yes uh, it's been a great show and, um, you know, we've talked a lot about really quite horrible situations and, and truly intense con artists this week. If you do find yourself or even someone you know, you notice them behaving in a way that you think mm, they might be looking to start some sort of cult or mm, I wonder mm-hmm. if they're stealing money from... Uh, our friends who have got far too much and no common sense you can step in and stop them because these people do need to be stopped and if you find yourself going down this path just try and not follow those urges um yeah it's not good yeah because you will get found out unfortunately anyway until next time i've been lev Derek. would you like to say goodbye goodbye everybody and we will see you again soon take care now <laughs>